Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig. In this episode of Can't Find My Way Home, I was joined by Matt Castelvi. Matt is a Chicago native comedian who's been performing worldwide for the past 15 years. Matt tells us about moving to Amsterdam in January 2020 to start working at Boom Chicago. Then, in February 2020, he had to stop work because of the pandemic. Not quite the start he was anticipating. Since then, Matt's committed to a packed schedule performing at least five nights per week, as well as touring as much as he can. We get into Matt's path into improv and stand-up, turn-ons and offs, the never-ending battle with the audience and why there's no better feeling than performing on stage, and just what makes Boom Chicago special. There's talk of future tours where Matt would really like to perform, as well as a fun-filled top five, featuring opening for Alan Carr, Not Getting the Office, Smash Mouth's All-Star and gigging with Romanian stand-up Victor Patashkin. All this and why there's not enough bandwidth for people's attention. Let's get right to it. Matt Castelvi. I do a lot of tours. On last tour I, I went to doing stand-up, I was in uh, Istanbul. Uh, I did a bunch of shows uh, there. Uh, and then prior to and after that, I uh, opened for Alan Carr uh, at in Amsterdam and Antwerp. Uh, so those were the last places uh, I was. And then in December, I'm going to be going back to the States for some shows and to see some family. And then in like February, I'm going to go back on, on tour again. I'll do another another stand-up tour doing my solo. So yeah, I usually I get around, Craig, if that's what this, you mean. This probably goes without saying, but I, I imagine it's good to be back doing your craft again after all the... <laughs> The year and a half or whatever it was of it's uh, a nightmare. nonsense. Eh? <laughs> An absolute nightmare. Yeah, so I'm at Boom Chicago, right? And so yeah, I got here in January of 2020. Uh, and then I started work in February of 2020 and then immediately stopped working. So it was very frustrating for me, especially here in Amsterdam. I mean, we, got, we were lucky in the fact that we got to do some digital shows uh, and make some money, but obviously it's not the same as when you get a live audience. And we, it's been two years of that. And so we've been, it's, as a performer who like, this is what they love to do. What I love to do having that amount of time, not performing was just uh, the worst nightmare. Uh, and which is why you often see my schedule jam packed with stuff because I know I'm like, this isn't, this might be the last time we get to perform. Who knows? They can just take that shit away real quick. Uh, and so I like to do a lot of shows like such before Wednesday, through, <laughs> Wednesday through Sunday, nonstop. I'm on that stage. It's the best, but yeah, it's much better now than in the times of Corona. Knock on wood. For those that are maybe not familiar with, as I was saying, Amsterdam's other nightlife, there seems to be quite a thriving comedy scene. Very much so, yeah. In Amsterdam? In Amsterdam? Oh, yeah. Mm. Big time, big time. Uh, and international comedy, too, is mainly what I'm saying, because I'm on the international comedy side. So there's just a very large English-speaking comedy um, 
scene happening here in Amsterdam, which is very exciting to be a part of and to take pleasure in. But obviously there's a, there's a funny, there's a Dutch comedy scene as well um, here, but I'm seeing a lot more international comedians coming through Amsterdam, um, you know, for the weed. Uh, and <laughs> to do some, I mean, it just really goes hand in hand. You got marijuana and you got comedy. It's, it's a perfect combination stand up. And so a lot of comedians come through here and get and perform and we get to see their shows. And so it's becoming a good tourist stop, I'm finding, for people who are fans of comedy and want to visit Amsterdam and don't necessarily want to go to the red light district or smoke weed necessarily. It's a it's a good alternative of fun culture of, of just English speaking, you know, Dutch, there's Romanian shows, Turkish shows, Russian shows. There's so many different kinds of comedy that are coming through Amsterdam. I don't know that it's even unique to Amsterdam per se. I know that Amsterdam is very, it's, there's a, it's very big from on the inside. But when you go to other cities too, I think that it's just now that COVID's kind of over, it's getting a lot more people uh, going to shows and traveling and wanting to see comedy and expats being in different places and wanting to speak see funny people from their uh, culture come through without them having to go back home. Uh, it's a it's a big market right now, at least that I'm seeing, which is ex- super exciting. Uh, anywhere that there's a large number of people, you're going to find that they want to laugh at something. And that's where comedy is birthed out of those ashes. Uh, so that we get to see a lot of fun comedy shows for a lot of people, traveling comedians to go exploit and the Dutch are a very fun people. Uh, they might not show their laughter well, uh, but they uh, their hearts are, are filled with, with the, the love of laughter. Uh, but they are woefully Dutch. Take that for what it is. <laughs> they lack in human emotion. Oh, I live in Germany, man, so I'm kind of a... Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. I do a lot of shows yeah. in Germany, man. I, I like it as a challenge. It really makes me, it really challenges me to be like, all right, okay. I mean, would you say, like, speaking as an American yourself, would you say it's more just like uh, uh, the audiences in the States are a bit more into it, a bit more in your face, or they enjoy their repartee, you know, this kind of thing, or or you're you're there to be part of something, but the European audiences, in this case, in the, the West of Europe, are a bit more, not reserved per se, but a bit more... Okay, let's see what you got. Kind of yeah, I think there's a little bit of both uh, in that. Uh, it depends on what type of part of Europe you're, or a culture you're entertaining. Um, I've had the luxury of being able to go to, to have a many multiple different types of audiences in front of me. And to answer your first question, yeah, Americans, we are just, as I'm sure you've encountered, uh, very loud and outspoken type of people uh, that an audience I've, I've and, when you, <laughs> and when you get us together in an audience or as uh, you know sociologists call a mob uh, they tend to uh, react wild and, and laugh and, and go and you know it's a, an incredible scene which is why I do enjoy um, not just American audience British audiences mm. uh, Australian audiences to a certain degree it's a fun thing oh you take the good with the bad uh, while they might be very loud and you know, showing of their appreciation of the show, you're going to get a, 
wider variety of people who are having negative experiences with you and showing vocal, like yelling at you, heckling, throwing beer bottles. I mean, since I've moved to Europe, I get that 0% of the time, which is very, very fun. It's a nice experience to, <laughs> new experience to have. Um, you can watch stage unharmed, yeah. And not be harmed. At least an ego, and an ego kind of Yeah, that's fine. I got plenty of that shit. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, I miss a lot of those American audiences because it's, you just, there's no feeling like crushing in front of people from America. But when you can crush over here, that also, it all, well, what's different about it is that it's, when you're entertaining different cultures, you have to kind of boil down your comedy into something um, that is universal. Like I have to do universal jokes that everyone, regardless of where you are born and your understanding, you can relate to in some manner. And so that's a fun challenge uh, for me to do uh, while I'm performing. Uh, and then, of course, to toe the line and understand what people think are funny in different cultures. So, People think this, some people think that, some are more reserved, some are less reserved, some just want a certain type of comedy. Um, it really just depends where you are and the audience that you um, have in front of you. And usually that, you know, that you find that out within the first, you know, 10 minutes, you'll know about what kind, probably even less than that, maybe five minutes, you kind of know what audience you're dealing with and then well, you the, make adjustments in there. We'll, we'll point the, the listeners in the direction of one of your Recent clips that you posted where there was a, a Finnish gentleman. Was it was a lady. It was, was a, lady. a lady. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. It was a so. lady. Yeah, they just sound like that. <laughs> oh, yes. That that was, uh, yeah, there was a woman who was talking during an entire show. They were fin it was a group of Finns, actually, to be honest. It was a group of Finns talking, the whole, and they were just cutting off all my punchlines. Uh, and then I just I threw them with a, a, a good Finnish retort because I thought they were Dutch. They were talking. You can't tell those languages apart. Yeah, come at me. Uh, and so I thought that I was making fun of them for they were Dutch, and it turns out they were Finnish. And a lot of that just comes, and like I just had a good zinger right there on the spot, mainly because I come from an improv background. So I'm ready. I got, I'm ready with something, whatever the audience has. It was just fortunate enough that I was recording that show. Um, uh, that's a nice segue in, man. How about the. Your road into comedy then was it always something you'd? Uh, I was going to say played around with. Maybe this is sound right, but you know something you'd always kind of interested in as a. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, for all my life, I've wanted to do uh, comedy stuff since I was very young. I knew I was going to be, uh, I was going to do something with comedy or be a comedian. I started doing improv um, classes when I was like like sixteen, uh, and then continued that up until. 18, I started doing classes at Second City and studying at Second City in Chicago. Uh, and then from there, went to university and then was uh, on the improv team over there. Uh, took that over to Chicago where I, I was performing with you know, comedy sports at IO Theater. Chicago is just a huge improv city. And so I just did that for about 10 years in Chicago until I started the transition into the stand-up side. Um, when I moved to Boston, and then after I moved to Boston, I went back to Chicago and did more improv. I did I did improv professionally for like ten years, so I figured like that was kind of my only that was going to be my 
my gravy train was just the improv, but fortunately I was able to find another side and stand up and got to be able to tour uh, after that in about 2018. And I, I just toured the world doing uh, both improv and stand up um, in Australia and Europe. Uh, I did two tours in Europe. Uh, and then the second tour, I landed in Boom Chicago in Amsterdam, uh, which is the major improv theater in Europe, in, in, as far as I understand it. And then I've been performing there for three years. Um, but in that time, I've had been lucky enough to do a lot of a lot of stand up shows um, for a lot of different audiences too. Because the stand up still a very big passion. But to answer your question, yes, a long time I've been doing comedy, <laughs> fifteen years. That was a splendidly long answer to my unevenly long question. Right? Yeah, I have, I have a tendency to do that, so I appreciate yeah, it. Man. I got you. Let's just get uh, it all out. What would you say the difference is that in the uh, the the differences between the two, like as you were saying, with getting into improv first and then stand up, is it a straightforward transition? Of what what kind of things do you really set uh, separates the two things? Sure, sure. I mean, people will tell you that they're they're wildly different forms of comedy, uh, and for the longest time, the never the two shall meet. Stand ups and, and improvisers, they just they would never get along. They're just two different camps. I originally came from the improv camp. And I just knew I was just like, this is kind of where I'm, I, I really uh, enjoy. I love the spontaneity of an improv, the theatricality of an improv um, scene, and the fact you have to be funny right there on the spot. So there's a certain level of, of inherent talent that you have to have just to be on the stage. Whereas with stand up, uh, but, but well, here's the thing: well, improv is a collaborative art where you work with people um, to create something. It's not um, individualistic. Uh, so there's, uh, I'm only as good as the person next to me, and vice versa. And so, and we make something together right there on the spot based on uh, a live interaction. But it's a shared victory. It's a victory that I share with everyone on the team. Um, whereas with stand up, it's a very, it's a solo endeavor. So I'm only doing it by myself. It's just me. I'm I'm writing it. It's not as spontaneous. Um, sometimes it is, and that's kind of what I enjoy about my style. Is I will like to have a, a certain level of crowd work and spontaneity in the set because uh, that's I feel that that's a fun energy for a room, and a lot of good and a lot of stand-ups do that as well. But for the main part, it's written. It's a written. I, I wrote. I wrote the jokes. I've performed them before, uh, and I'm just the writer and the performer in that aspect. Fortunately, in improv, uh, it's a very physical, and so a lot of my stand up is also very physical and is character driven. And a lot of improv is character driven, and my persona on stage is a character of myself. Uh, and so that is easier to portray based on the improv training that I've had over the years. Uh, at least that's what I feel. Um, but yeah, they're two, they're, they're two, at the end of the day, you're still trying to make an audience laugh. You're, you have to be knowledgeable of uh, how a room feels, how the audience feels, what's working, what's not working. You have to be malleable um, in both endeavors. Uh, and I, I think you, it's important for a performer to have both skills. Uh, I think that's very helpful. At least it has been for me. So that's what I think. The show that really brought the improv scene to the mainstream was Whose Line Is It Anyway? I guess so, yeah. In terms of television, yeah. Because Whose yeah, Line we, Is It Anyway? We, we had that in the UK. With... Yeah, that's right. Well, we stole it from you in yeah, America. Right. <laughs> we stole it. Drew Carey. 
Uh, Drew Carey, right? Drew Carey, yeah. Ryan Styles, Colin Mockery. Um, yeah, they proud. did the, the British ones as well. Yeah, and I know. It was great. It was a golden time for improv is when that show was on. Uh, just an absolute goal. It was the only golden time for improv was that show. And then uh, now nobody knows that show. I can't, I can't tell you. Not, maybe it's people of it, a certain vintage. That it it, hurts, like, it yeah. hurts, though. It just hurts me because it was so good. And that, and that type of improv, I did the longest. I did short form. That's short form improv. And so I perform short form improv professionally even up until this today everywhere because it's the most, you know, it's, it's the most, ta- not, not tangible, but accessible form of improv for a mass audience. It's real easy to, to follow and it's, you know, you get the laughs real quick. Um, but yeah, whose line is it anyway? There's some other like long form improv shows like Middle Dish and Schwartz is an improv duo that's on Netflix. Um, they perform as well. I mean, there's a couple of course films that tackle the subject, but of the two, stand-up and improv, stand-up is argued has definitely been more popularized and uh, is more universal. And well, they're like rock stars now, man. Right? If they, if they weren't before, they definitely are. Definitely I'm saying they, I said, but I'm talking to one. So, yeah. that's true. Well, that's why I like to do some stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> improv's I, nice I, and fun. Yeah, I recently just watched the George Carlin uh, documentary on HBO. He's great. The name He's of which favorite. escapes me. He's got so many. Oh, the new documentary. I uh, the new it. one, yeah. It's, like, it's, uh, it's on HBO. Seth Rogen that, or Judd Apatow, one of those guys. I don't know. Put it I didn't see it. It's long, man. It's like four hours long, three and a half, four hours Ooh. long in two parts. Well, he was very but An prolific. interesting guy. Mm. Like, I didn't really know he was in the Air Force or how he started out as a DJ and all that kind of stuff. Hey, but spoilers, it, you know, was, man. What the fuck? <laughs> Don't tell you what happens at the end, right? Yeah, don't tell. Yeah, I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> I'm sure he's still okay. This was also like almost like a form of acting and performing, like his monologues, or because they're really long and really detailed, really funny, right? That's the that's the crux of the matter. But uh, great, yeah, George Carlin's one of my uh, favorites. Yeah, such such a. Uh, you can tell someone who's good at their craft, right? You know, when he's just... He's the man was a genius. Yeah. yeah, he's fucking incredible. The way that he wrote was and performed it was just really unparalleled. Um, I still haven't seen it. So if he if he did heroin, in, and I didn't know about that, I didn't watch it. I don't know what the twist is in the documentary. I wouldn't spoil George it anymore. Carlin. For yourself... Where do you go for inspiration or who inspires you or who did inspire you maybe in the beginning if we go back? Well, George Carlin did, definitely inspired me um, in terms of stand-up. He's my number one. Don Rickles mm-hmm. is uh, is a very fun stand-up comedian from back in the day um, that I, I enjoy that style. I think that's similar to my style, not just the insult style, but just like the abrasive uh, kind of a, a comedy that he does. And then I did things like SNL. I watched SNL for the longest time when I was uh, when I was a kid. That inspired me to do wacky, like, you know, things like Chris Farley, his physical comedy, uh, and, that, and that era uh, of comedy, of silliness and stupidity. Um, I enjoy very much, and I try to bring that level of um, stupidity into my performance. Uh, as well as my physical, I like it very physical. 
Uh, that physical type of comedy uh, makes me uh, excited. The ability to do weird stuff makes me just incredibly, <laughs> yeah, just the weirder it can be. Um, that is just uh, very fun, fun for me to exploit. And I like that art style of it, the avant-garde, just like, this is, this is, stupid. I know this is dumb. This is dumb for the sake of dumb. That level of frustration is amusing to me. And so I, I will do that. Things like um, Tim Robbins, Tim Robinson, I'm sorry. Uh, from I Think You Should Leave, that tickles me. That show tickles me so good. And he was a, because it's mainly, it's, it's Chicago style comedy. That style, type of comedy makes me laugh. And that's what I like to do if I can. I feel like it comes off as angry, uh, but that's funny. I guess it's for to me. I, I don't feel that way. way. I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's like the opposite of how I feel. So it's very fun. <laughs> it's fun to do. Was there anything that really kind of turned you off from it? Like when you were kind of experimenting through the the stages of improv and uh, sure. stand up in, in your career? Was the stuff that just didn't you were like oh, maybe not? Yeah. Well, you kind of have to when you're starting out. Um, you kind of have to just t test your certain stuff and what like an uh, what tastes are. It's like it's very much like being a baby in your relationship with your parents, and you test boundaries of, of what's okay to do, what's okay to say. It's that same thing, but instead uh, it's on stage. So I test like, all right, if I do a scene like this. Well, I'm, I'm going to talk about improv and stand-up as well, but, but I'm like, if I'm in an improv scene and I do a scene that starts in this kind of manner, it elicits this type of uh, positive response X amount of times, 60%. So it's like, all right, that right, I'm going to put that into the, that's a good category. Anytime I play a, a character that has a big voice like this, it gets this level of response from an audience. All right, that tells me this. Uh, about most audiences. I do that again, it just reaffirms that. And the same thing is with stand-up. If I tell a joke uh, on stage and then it gets a laugh, I'm like, all right, this joke, there's something to this joke. Let me try it again. Gets another laugh. I'm like, all right, the joke's probably good. Let me try it again. Gets another laugh. And I'm like, it's definitely a good joke. Uh, so now I know that this part, this works, this resonates in some manner with people. And other times, like maybe you'll do a, try to do a risque joke. Some jokes you think are like, this isn't risque. And you get up, ooh. And it's like, okay, all right, I, I got you. I see how you, what you're feeling. Maybe I'll try, maybe it's the wording of it. Maybe it's, maybe if I took this word over here, or maybe if it, maybe it's the whole concept. Maybe you can't even talk about. Is it that um, too soon moment? Is it too soon? It's like, it's like, sometimes it's not even just too soon. Like you can do an Anne Frank joke in the Netherlands. People call you a hero. Uh, but you do that like in next door, you do that somewhere else. People are like, oh, you're the biggest villain in the world. So it's just a demographic. It's like wherever you are, ge geographically, depends on if that joke is going to be wor working for you and what you need to change. And what's fun and scary about comedy in general is tastes change over time. A joke I had five years ago, I try today, it might get like completely dead results because of just where the climate of uh, culture is right now or what current events have happened. If I do a mass shooting joke tomorrow, um, it's going to be, or today it's going to be a big trouble because if there was a recent mass shooting, I do it like two weeks ago, maybe no problem. 
because there wasn't a mass shooting at that time. And so it's just a matter of timing of certain jokes. And then over time that that changes because it gets further and further into the human psyche and people's memories. Uh, and so it's a matter. And unfortunately, comedians are the ones on the front line of that culture war uh, to discover what is allowed to be said and what's not allowed to be said. Uh, but we allow comedians that so that they can do that work so that the rest of the world can doesn't have to, I guess. So you don't get fired at work because uh, because people are laughing. So that's kind of where, you know, the temperature of the room is. Comedians are able to try to do that. Uh, but yeah, it's difficult creating a job. Have you always had a bit of a thick skin? Like when you, oh. were, starting, when you were starting out, was it, did it bounce off you or was that a bit of a... An uphill struggle at times? No, it's a very, very thin skin, very sensitive, uh, as most comedians are. Uh, they're very, very sensitive people. I realized um, over time uh, that, you know, the worst thing, first of all, no one gives a shit uh, about the show, about you. They don't care. It's like, so it's like, and strangers don't get to tell you, dictate how you are. Uh, people that see you for 10 minutes on stage don't know anything about you, all right? And if, they, if one joke that they see doesn't go well, it doesn't mean that you're not funny. Uh, it just, and it's also, I have um, a very strong contempt for the audience, uh, and most comedians do in the sense that uh, ours is a battle with the audience. One of us wins, either... Uh, I win and the audience laughs or the audience wins and they don't laugh and they get to see someone like die. It's like an execution, you know, yeah. it's, or it's like, you know, that either way they get to so someone dies. It's either the audience or the comedian. It's like gladiatorial. In it's the, very in gladiatorial. Sentence. Yes. It's very gladiatorial. And so in that uh, I, as a comedian have to hate, what they represent and so if they are winning and they're not laughing uh that makes me laugh uh because that because no matter what they still have to watch me perform uh and do whatever because if they were weren't cowards which all audiences are cowards uh if they weren't cowards they would be on stage and i would be in the audience but since they're cowards and i'm very brave uh, they have to see me uh, perform. And it's not just me. That's anyone who is in the performing arts, in my opinion. Anyone that's in any performing arts that, that performs live on stage is a million times more brave than anyone watching. And so that level of pride that I have for both myself and for the performers on, in the arts makes me never worried about what the audience thinks if there's if they're if they don't if they're mean if they try to be mean to me it's like they're fucking losers <laughs> all right they're fucking whatever uh i'll do another show tomorrow and there'll be a better audience there and so I, so it's just very fun for me and anytime i'm on stage is the best time if you're booing me it's still the best time i can't it can't be the best so like i i I don't worry too much about that, so which is nice feeling because that also helps with comedy. It makes people right. think that I'm funnier than I am when really I just don't. I don't care about what they think. 
And that's good advice to anyone who's a young comedian right now. I, I know how young your audience is. It's a, it's um, a pretty good point you make there about being on stage. <laughs> so my, my thing was playing drums in bands. Sure. Not really since I've been here in Germany, but I lived in in South Korea for 17 years. Uh, that's dope. Most, <laughs> most of which were not in jail, but, you know, some of them were. Right? I was there for some 17 years. Some of them were in jail? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, there for 17 years. And, that's dope. Uh, yeah. A lot of times I uh, played in bands and it's fucking cool. But so I, I'm, the drummer time, yeah, I'm, I'm the guy at the back, you know, so most people would just say, oh, that was all right. Or they would just ignore you, right? But if you were the front You're man, if you were the singer, you know, you have to, uh, but yeah, there, yeah, there's, know, a certain, there's a certain type of. I mean, I'm I'm sensitive in certain aspects with an audience. Uh, if I, if we're, I, I have a perceived, like that they don't like me in advance. Uh, which is difficult here in the Netherlands and in Germany because sometimes they just look like they don't like you, but they actually really in, are enjoying themselves in a show. But I, I tend to obsess over audience members that I perceive are my enemies in some way. <laughs> someone I saw I did a show yesterday. There was just someone who wasn't laughing at the time I wanted them to laugh. Uh, and so then I got mad at them, but it really it was nothing to do with them. It was me being being insecure <laughs> that they, of course, they aren't laughing at this joke. And now let me be mean to them, which is unfair for an audience member to carry that level of therapeutic responsibility. <laughs> uh, they could have just like, I don't, I was just looking down. Uh, but I feel that's, that's my sensitivity in the performing arts also to contradict myself. Is there a nice uh, rapport between the yourself in the European audience. He's nice in the sense of, uh, as you just described there, about your kind of uh, attitude. And once you get into it or you're having a good time on stage, you, there's a certain kind of uh, bond. But you know, it's, uh, there's an inkling there of uh, yeah. joy um, or charm or something. Yeah, like. I, I mean, like, some, like I said, anytime you see me on stage, I'm having the best time of my life. Uh, I'm the happiest I've ever been. It's because it performing, as I'm sure you know, is fun. It's a, it's a really good experience. It's a really fulfilling experience. The level of energy get, you get from the audience, that feedback loop of energy, there's no feeling like it, which is why so many people do it. So that, um, obvious. Uh, so when I do get up on stage and I do get to, to do that and um, have those moments, with an audience that is enjoying themselves, which they almost invariably are, because that's why they came to a show. Um, it's uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful time. And I, I wish never ends. Some of the best memories are just of shows that were really going good, and a certain thing that happened right there at the time that made it a very unique um, moment, and that you, you can't get that anywhere else, anywhere. And so, and that's what really helped me in decision of career in the because I knew this is like what I wanted to do early on. And so uh, to be able to do that every single day and get paid for it is incredible and incredibly blessing. It's a blessing. Uh, and so I try to experience and keep that cognizant in my mind when I'm on stage uh, performing for audiences because sometimes, you know, you can forget how lucky you are to, to be doing this when some people can't do it. They would kill to be in a certain situation, to kill to have that feeling in front of an audience that paid to see you and mm -hmm. perform. 
and that's that's hard for me, but I really every day I try to remind myself how great it is because it's a great feeling. It's a, it's a great rapport. I have a one. I like to have a wonderful rapport with an audience that really likes me, which is sometimes not every audience. I'll tell you that. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, do you guys? You didn't know I was going to be here, did you? Uh, which is you know that sign at the door, right? <laughs> you know the Sorry. one, the one in lights and all that. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't me. Here's my email. You can just email me while you're mad. <laughs> well, speaking of rapport, then tell us a little bit. Uh, Boom Chicago. Yes, it's been. Uh, you were saying it's the biggest. Oh, anyway, I'll let you tell it. Sure. So, Boom Chicago is the longest running comedy theater. It's the longest running theater, I believe, in the Netherlands. I guess comedy theater in the Netherlands. They got been around since the '90s in Amsterdam and they're based off of second city in Chicago, which is the big improv theater uh, in the state, in the United States. It's where everyone from SNL pretty much comes from is second city in Chicago. Uh, and so they remade that in uh, Amsterdam and called it boom Chicago in honor of the city that where the founders are from. Uh, and um, in the past 30 years, it's been home to many, many famous um, comedians that uh, have come through Boom Chicago, like including Jordan Peele, um, Seth Meyers, uh, Jason Sudeikis, Brendan Hunt, the, the, the Ted Lasso people, um, like Baron Holtz, the list goes on and on. Uh, and so they've um, been a, just a, a home, like a way station for these very talented comedians. Uh, and uh, it, it's, uh, I've, I've been out there three years ago. Uh, and in Chicago, it's it's really it's the coveted improv job is Boom Chicago because it takes you from the United States uh, and then you get to go to Amsterdam and perform and make money doing comedy, which is sometimes quite rare, especially in the United States, um, to make a living doing comedy, uh, especially or at least when I was uh, in the States and probably now even more so. Uh, but it's yeah, it's a. Uh, incredible theater on the Rosengracht and we perform Wednesdays through Sundays and have a training center and every and everything and very famous comedy acts come through Boom Chicago as it is um the essentially like American it's like the American way station of Amsterdam anyone or international comedy really is the home so anyone that's international pretty much comes to Boom Chicago um as far as far as I've seen um, and so we get a lot of people just hanging out, you know, it's like a drinking, seeing shows, there's multiple theaters, uh, you get multiple types of shows. So every week there's something new. So that's always very exciting. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a very, very good theater. How many, that was a nice plug there. How many are in the group in total? Is it a kind of rotating it's um it depends on the contract um i believe there are six of us seven of us in the cast right now um i think six main cast members and then two alternates um and they um i've been there for three years myself and stacy have been there for three years um simon has been there for four or five years and then the new cast member katie and terrence they've been here for less than a year uh, and so a lot of it just will depend on the cast. If they want to stick around in Amsterdam and do another contract, um, contracts are about a year, two years. And um, it depends on if they want to 
do it. Some people do, some people don't. So people come in and out. So it kind of rotates, but it really just depends on the cast. Uh, getting set up as a non-EU citizen, was that a bit challenging? Very or much it, so, yeah. yeah. It was, a, I mean, it was very difficult. I mean, you had Brexit before we did, right? So, Well, <laughs> we didn't, yeah, it was a little bit easier for the state, for, for being American, as I recall. It was, it's very complicated. To, if you, if you asked me how to do it, I couldn't tell you. Uh, but I know that it's done. Uh, but it was very difficult at first. Fortunately, there's a, there's a lot of people here, a lot of Americans and expats and, and stuff. And Boom Chicago was very helpful in, in taking care of all that for us. Um, so that was very helpful in, in setting all this up. And so I, I've had that luxury of being here for, for that long. I could stay for much longer if I want. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a difficult process, to say the least. What are your... Uh your hopes and uh, hopes and dreams then for the future, right? For being all kind of a with a bit of a bit of glitter on it, you know. What's the What's glitter on it? Yeah, man. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird time, right? Because if I'm going to be honest, um, when I started being here, I didn't think I would be here for so long, and then a, a pandemic happened, uh, and so that kind of changed a lot of things uh, in terms of travel, in terms of opportunities. Um, and so I'm torn between a couple of, of different places of whether stay here in, in Boom Chicago and continue performing. Um, I'll definitely be here another year. Uh, and after that, I, it's going to be time to go to another market, I think. Um, but it's really just going to be um, which market I want to choose, um, So, which is a nice a nice problem to have. That is um, one. But the main thing, but another problem is I like to tour a lot. And so hope, I think the next time, once I'm off contract, I'll be doing a lot more touring, uh, which will be very, very fun. Uh, but, you know, it'll be in, an interesting change uh, from all this. Is your, sorry, this might be a bit of a personal question. Is your girlfriend a partner? Is she also in the, in the business she's uh a, a part of we're we're not longer together uh okay. for the record i, I just read uh, one of your interviews did. on with uh we were together yeah newspaper or whatever it was i were yeah we're still uh partners in business and, we can take this uh, out right? <laughs> yeah take it out this is i can't have <laughs> can't have Never the press happened. i can't have the press hearing about this <laughs> so no one, no one gives a shit don't worry craig uh, but yeah, she's our, the artistic director at Boom Chicago. Uh, so she's a so she like is all uh, is like the heart and soul of the theater, which is uh, a godsend uh, because the theater does does not run without Stacy. But the rest of us, uh, we just operate in that theater by by the will of the Lord. Uh, it's a fun, but yeah, she's the best. She's incredible. So are you? Um... You're kind of free to have, come and go as you please. Then you know if you're looking for a new for a new base in the next uh, year or two, you can yeah. be free to kind of come and go as you please. I have a little, yeah, a little bit of fluidity. Um, yeah, it's been three years since I've been in the states, uh, so I'm also chosen to get back to to Chicago to do some to do some shows. Embrace the madness. Embrace the madness, man. There's no madness like it. Um, but uh, yeah, here is a is a fastly becoming a, a new home, which is very nice. 
Have you done much traveling in your your time here? Then COVID bullshit aside, have you been able to enjoy the more, you know, outside of work? Have you been able to kind of uh, go and see some places and hang out and do some shit that you wouldn't normally get the chance to do? Yeah, I've done um, about three and a half tours since I've been here. Um, I, I got to see. I mean, a lot of them were in similar places. They mainly went through Germany. Um, but then I think went to Austria, um, Czech Republic, Hungary. You were in Turkey recently, yeah. I was just in was Turkey, in Istanbul, did some shows. Um, I mean, I, I was in, I, I was all over, and that's my, my, it's one of my joys is being able to go on the road and, and do, do stand up comedy and see these different, different cities and, and their different audiences. Um, so I, I have been able to see a lot. I, I believe there's there's definitely so much more I could see. Uh, um, in February, I'm going to go do some shows in Spain and France. Um, and then I'll have to do some, after that, I'm going to do some sets in London and the UK. Uh, but yeah, I, is, there's never enough time, unfortunately. Because I also do enjoy doing shows in Amsterdam. Uh, and boom. Uh, so it's very... It's, it's a shame because I'm torn between two loves of improv and of stand-up. Um, so it's it's a it's a good problem, I guess, to have. Uh, but if I had my way, I would go pretty much everywhere and do stand-up for every single person from every single city ever. But it's difficult travel-wise. Um, and I especially am excited to go to places that no one wants to do stand up in, uh, like that are dangerous places. And like I'm really excited. I want to do some shows in Kiev uh, and Ukraine uh, because I feel like those places need laughter the most. Um, so yeah, there's not there's not a lot of laughs really been going on in that uh, part of the world. No, and it's, it's kind uh, of important. We shouldn't snigger. Well, yeah, bring yeah, it to the world, man. Send me out there. If I get any leads, you'll be first to know. I could. This will be. Yeah, this will be the last time we talk, and then I was <laughs> never. I was never seen again. You know, I'll get my twenty percent. We move on. Yeah, yeah. That's how it works. Common scam. Uh, you you fit for a top five, man? Sure, I, I'll do my best. I. Uh, I'll throw them at you. I, I'll, I I'll set them up. You know, them at the park. Then. How's gonna, if I disappoint you, I'm sorry, but I'll do my best. Uh, top five. Where will we start? A guilty pleasure could be guilty musical pleasure. or uh, yeah, whatever you like. Is this something pleasure. that you're ashamed that you like, or just something no. that you do that other people should should think you're ashamed? Yes, I should be. I, so other people would say that I yeah. that would think this is shameful. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you I, like I, that other. Other people might be surprised to find out that surprised. You know, yeah, yeah. Okay, I I watch a lot of anime uh, and then cartoon, like a lot of nerdy stuff. I'm into uh, like so comic books, anime, uh, cartoons all the time, all the time, all the time. I'll be watching that shit. I'm a big into Lord of the Rings and and Star Wars. Anything nerdy is uh, like my number one thing, uh, and including D and D, Dungeons and Dragons heavily into that some people maybe that's not shocking i guess it's it's, it's guilty you should be guilty honestly what else um that's about it. yeah i'm terrible at cleaning my house sucks <laughs> house sucks everything's yeah yeah 
It's a livable um, land cave. That's it's okay. Yeah, yeah. This is most of it. This is this is all that shit. Have you seen the new Lord of the Rings thing? I, I can't remember. Yeah, it's called it the, sucks. Uh, the one on it Amazon. Fucking yeah, it's sucks. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, fucking i watched the whole i'll watch it all again too i i'm, I'm addicted like there's nothing i can do all right tolkien's got me i was reading uh, that it was the most amazon's most expensive production but they yeah. they obviously spent it on the set or the cgi and stuff but they forgot a script or something forgot the, yeah, yeah i forgot everything they spent it on the title sequence or something it's fucking awful unwatchable <laughs> unwatchable, unwatchable. it makes me so mad Put that on the post though just take it from me. House of the Dragon. That's me right now. I do that. Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen it's great. four or five episodes of there's one episode maybe it was the second episode when the young girl, like the, the King's Daughter guy, I could, they've all got weird names, eh? All like Gwendolyn rubbish and whatever. Yeah, anyway, it's so mainly Gwendolyn. Right, the young girl, she was just whinging the whole episode. It was like fucking hell. It's a lot of stop, stop, stop whinging, you know. But then the third episode was that kind of big battle thing with the mm-hmm. doctor who did. That was yes. Yeah. Anyway, no spoilers. Right. So then, None of that. Yeah, the second one, I was just, I was like, shut the fuck up. I just stopped whinging, you know. You know, you know when it's right? Like, what are you fucking complaining about? It's, it's different. It's hard. Shit, you know? it's, it's hard life, you know. Teenagers, but stop complaining, you know. You can't relate to their problems. <laughs> that's what I was. You turned. I'm like 53 next month. Yes, that's what it is. I just, that's what it I is. Don't get kids anymore. Don't get kids, and then they're dragons. <laughs> it's important. Pain in the ass. Yes. Uh, tell us someone or something you don't get, man. Something be, I don't get. Yeah, something that could be overrated or just it's a bit meh. You know, when you're a bit like. Uh, oh yeah. Musically or otherwise, you know, just a lot of like, shit. There's a lot of shit. I mean, I don't get anything that, that I don't get Taylor Swift, obviously. Yeah, it's very popular right now. I don't get The Office, the television show. Uh, we which keep one's watching the, uh, the America, both. Le- both. I don't get those people, and I'm really trying to rewatch it again to see what I can get if I can maybe enjoy it on another level. Friends, I don't get either. I don't get what that what the big deal about that show is. The city of Rotterdam. I don't understand what what I'm missing. I um, think Friends was just the, they were all good looking, right? And they had I don't nice know. teeth. Some yeah. yeah, what's that cartoon that I uh, Bob's Burgers? I don't get it. I don't get the show. I can't understand it. Same thing with Archer. It's like things that they're like, oh, I can't believe Arrested Development. I don't get what I'm. What the fuck the deal is? <laughs> Uh, I was going to say the Beatles, uh, but I get the Beatles. You can uh, say I the Beatles. Don't, I, mean, I don't really, like, listen to the Beatles. Uh, but any, like, I remember them when I was just like, oh, the, the people were like, oh, and I get it. They're musically very popular and good, but I I switch it off every single time. Every single time. Nothing wrong I'm with that. Like, hey, there's we, something we, wrong we, with that. Speaking, but, you, know. you can go to hell for saying things like that. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Well, join the line then, right? Join I guess so, man. Um, yeah, how many was that? Is that enough? Oh, that's enough to start with. Peanut butter. I don't get. I don't get what people like about that. A favorite venue, somewhere you've either played, of which I'm sure there are many, or yeah, somewhere you've lot. seen someone. Sure. Um, well, I performed at the 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 Carre here in Amsterdam, uh, which was by far the the biggest uh, that I performed at. It was fucking incredible. So that always stands as the, as the top of the list. Um, but I've had the luck. Sometimes my favorite places aren't the biggest necessarily. They're just the weirdest. Um, in Hamburg, I played in this um, cultural center. It was like a, 
a bunch of squatters um, had like a stage and the show was pay what you think the show is worth. And the beer was pay what you think the beer is worth. And it was like, it was a stage, but there was like graffiti everywhere. It looked like it was like abandoned. Uh, and I'm like, I did a show. I did an uh, improv show there. It was like one of my favorites. It was so weird. I did a show in an abandoned school um, in the winter where everyone, <laughs> where everyone had to wear coats on stage. Uh, that was that was weird. Um, I did a show in a, next to a kitchen, uh, where there were, a Thai kitchen. Uh, they were making Thai food as we were doing a show, um, which was that was like uh, insane. It was like the worst show I've ever been a part of. It was this was in night. Thailand. It was just in. It was in Amsterdam. <laughs> it was at Amstelveen, I believe, and it was a Thai restaurant. It was uh, that also did stand up one time, and wow, it's an interesting it, mix, you know. It's like it's something else, man. It was definitely something else. Um, there's some great venues in Prague, in Berlin. Berlin has a lot of fun, fun venues. I did show in a taco sh uh, store. Shout out to Crazy Nates in Nuremberg. Uh, and Cologne has a lot of great uh, venues as well. Uh, and sometimes if it's the venue, uh, yeah, cause some venues are really nice, but then the show sucks. Sometimes the venue is really like weird and boring, but the show's awesome. And just sometimes it's just one of those things. Um, it's just in Rotterdam, uh, Comedy Haug was a shout out to them. That was a, a great venue to do um, a show. I mean, I prefer at the end of the day, you really want like a comedy club, a place that like we do comedy here. That's uh, its sole purpose. Because it's its sole purpose. Because then the audience is not mistaken. They know exactly what they're doing. They're, they came here for this. It's not a mistake. Uh, so that and they and they treat the comedians and the audience well. And they, it's kind of the machine. And so that's Berlin's really good for that. Uh, when you were opening for Alan Carr, mm -hmm. or rather, when you opened for him, what kind of size of theater was? I saw some pictures. It was a fairly big, uh, big. Yeah. Uh, big so. It was, it was two shows in the De La Mar Theater in Amsterdam. Um, and then we did a show in Antwerp. That, and so there were about a thousand, um, thousand or so, I think. Uh, maybe more in Antwerp. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, those they're very, and they're different styles. Antwerp Theater was, was very sloped, um, whereas the De La Mar, it's, it's very, just more vertical raked. Um, which I prefer. I like to be able to see the audience if I can. And if it gets too deep, then it's kind of hard for to hear all those laughs, um, for the laughs to escape. And that dictates whether I'm doing good or not. So it's, um, um, so those are, those ones for, 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 for Alan and Alan's a fucking superstar. And so that's awesome to watch him crush. Um, how long was your, your set, your opening set for him? I did about 20 minutes each um, in both shows, uh, maybe longer the second show. Just the, Alan was really cool. He's just like, do whatever you want, do whatever. Like, he's like really down to earth kind of guy, which is like so refreshing uh, and so exciting to, to find out about him that he was just not only super funny, but also super cool. Like he didn't really know me at the start, but he's just like, yeah, go do it. And then 
got to be friends with him. It's just, it's just been awesome. Uh, he's a solid, he's just a total solid guy uh, after those shows. Um, and if you haven't seen him live, just check him out live. He's just a fucking killer. The guy's a killer. I think he's had a couple of TV shows in the, in the UK, right? A chat show. A lot show more than a couple. Yeah. I'd, yeah, yeah. I kind of podcast. Tonight with Alan Carr or something, I forget. But yeah, chatty, a, chatty man. Chatty man, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Go to karaoke song, Matt. What's your, what's your poison? Ooh, um, it's usually um, Smash Mouth's All Star, oh, but I feel like that's date, it dates me now because everyone does that song now. When well, I first is, moved to South Korea in 2000, that song was being played on the AFN radio back then, man. Oh, yeah. That's, that's when it first <laughs> So it's, it's, it's dating you and it's I. very good. Both. Uh, I, uh, I know all the words uh, to that song, and I can hit the notes if I can. Also, I'll, I'll, every now and then I'll, I'll do a Weezer song. It depends on the audience. Uh, and is there if they get a good Weezer song? I definitely go nineties. I go night It's something nineties, early two thousands. Uh, that's my decade for karaoke. Uh, if you can't get on that, that's like I can't help you. I can't help you with this. And I've got one more question, but I've I've used all my very limited brain cells today. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> da, da, da. Ah, okay. Last one then. I mean, I've only done this like 70 times and I still can't remember five questions. And I'm just like the worst, the worst. The joys of editing, you know. Uh, Thank you, sir. Last question then. Uh, Who should we be listening to? Who do we not know about that you, it's maybe not on our radar, but you would like to uh, shine that light for us? In terms of comedy? Yeah. Comedy, music, whatever you like. Yeah, a lot of good people. Uh, a lot of good people. I just did a show with, with Victor Petrashkin. He's a uh, Romanian comedian, which I think everyone should, is, knows in some respect. He just tours all of Europe. This guy is a, a he looks like Rasputin. Uh, he's a machine. Uh, the way he performs uh, out of Vienna. There's my homeboy uh, Tomas uh, Vamos. He's uh, incredible comedian out of vienna all he crushes all of austria check that guy out um move this guy off i don't know last names all the time i'm bad with last name my boy murat in istanbul um who works with uh taos house bipper he's he's awesome he's people sleeping on him in norway and uh norway karsten uh check out karsten out there he's awesome fuck there's so many good ones um, that are running around. Obviously, Adam Fields is here, who I, I enjoy very much. Contractually obliged. <laughs> Contractually obliged, yes, uh, to mention him. Uh, I'd say Laura Ricote, but I think she's getting a lot of lot of press here in Amsterdam and, and in the UK, uh, so I, I can't speak to him anymore. Dion Owens is a comedian, a Canadian comedian that I know that he rides his bike all over Europe. He'll be back in the European scene. He's an outstanding, outstanding comic uh, that people don't, not enough people know about. I mean, what's what's sad is there's just so many amazing comedians that just the the audiences, for whatever reason, don't get exposed to uh, enough. Uh, And it makes, it's just so upsetting. Not even just myself, but like all these guys and girls that I know are just way funnier than, than I'll ever be. But audiences just for whatever it's just there's not enough time in a day not enough bandwidth for people's attention 
I'm trying to think of anybody else. That's a fair point, actually. The attention span is a diminishing as we speak in it, man. Yeah, it's so hard, you know. Because I see you have a TikTok channel, right? So I I, I don't, I haven't ventured into that path yet. But uh, It's just more (laughs) of my sets. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of sets up there. I think the, the worst thing I think I've seen is there's families dancing. I don't know if that's what the genre is, but families they dance. Do, they do, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I'll send you a link. Okay, send me. <laughs> you just send it my way. actually makes you feel good about yourself. Well, I'm a bit of a mm-hmm. liquor, at least I'm not like that. Yes, I guess that's, so. That's, that's my mantra every day, you know. Okay, okay yeah, like, at least I'm not that big a dick. That's a pretty good mantra I have. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for your time tonight, man. It's well, been thank you so blast. much, Craig. Yeah, thanks for having time. me. Cheers, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Hit me in anytime, anytime you want to talk, come on by to Amsterdam. Right on. Thanks for making it to the end of this episode of Can't Find My Way Home. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all those other places where you'll find podcasts. See you in the next one. Cheers.